Hi, thank you for punching up. I went, no, take three. It's too out, March season two, take three. Hi, thank you for listening to HTWOW. This is the March 2019 episode of High Tea with Old Waver. Before we get to all the hot jams, including a retrospective of the late, great Mark Hollis and Talk Talk, we need to talk to you about a couple of things uh, to make sure that you know how to best follow and support your favorite music podcast featuring myself, Dave Lane, and uh, my good, good, sweet friend, Toby Pipes. Hi, Toby. Hello. Thank you for being here. Thank, thank uh, you for knowing that. Yes. If you uh, are new to this podcast, welcome. Please go to oldwaver.com, and uh, there you can find a uh, repository of all of the past episodes. You can uh, read uh, synopses of... Uh, what we talked about, you can see lists of all the songs, so you can kind of pick and choose which ones you want to catch up on. But please listen to them all. And also make sure you click on the merch page to go to Zazzle <laughs> and uh, get you some uh, hot HTWOW merch. Also go to the premium tab and sign up to be a patron. Yes. Uh, get cool stuff like t-shirts, koozies, scarves. Uh, and also you can, uh, help us pick beers and, uh, pick themes for episodes. Uh, we want to serve you the listener. We want this to be a symbiotic relationship. We want to deliver what you want to hear in your ear holes. That was beautiful. Yes, it is. Uh, so, uh, if you have thoughts on the show, uh, please reach out to us. Uh, htwowpod at gmail.com is our email address. And uh, again, uh, I am at Old Waver on Twitter. He is at Toby Pipes on Twitter as well. We would love to hear from you. We encourage you to uh, send HTW out to all your friends and please become a patron. We really uh, enjoy putting together the HTWOW After Dark, and the only way you can hear that is by being a patron. So go to oldwaver.com and click the premium link. Become a patron today, and uh, thank you for listening. We love you. Squawzen! Big heaping helping of Jester, Citra, and Simcoe hops to the bright and shiny squeeze of grapefruit that's ripe for the picking. Take one sip and you'll feel these taste buds a-hopping, or tingling. We know you're going to enjoy the <laughs> fruits of our labor. Did you add, did you add a hopping? Yeah, I... <laughs> I think that's I what it should have been. <laughs> I accidentally said hopping instead of tingling. Get your taste buds a-hopping. Um, oh, man. That's a pretty cool record, right? Dude. Where'd you score that one? It's like a butterfly, but it's a tiger face. That's what I just said. Did you see it and say that? Yes. Okay. Roll it back. I just said what you just said. Yeah, but I was doing something. But it, what, this is what I want you to look at. Are you ready? Are you going to play that? Um, no. Have we'll, you ever I'll played play it? it? Is it too delicate to play? No, you can play it. It's not like <laughs> Don't it's... even look at it. It can't be touched.
Hello, fellow waivers. This is Old Waiver. Hey. And you have tapped into the March 2019 episode of High Tea with Old Waiver, otherwise known as HTWOW. This is episode number 21. We thank you if you have listened to all of them. If you haven't, we encourage you to go back and listen to them all. Get fully up to speed with all the stuff that myself and Toby have played for you and want you to know about and listen to. My name is Dave. Uh, I am at Old Waver on Twitter. His name is Toby Pipes. He's at Toby Pipes on Twitter. Hello. And uh, together, we create this podcast for you and for ourselves because it's fun. We uh, drink beer and play music because it's a song swap and a beer swap. So I bring a beer. He brings a beer. I bring three songs. He brings three songs. And um, it's fun for the whole family. (laughs) (laughs) not be for the whole family. Well, maybe not for the whole family, but uh, for those of drinking age and above. How about that? At the, at the top of the pod, sure, the whole family can be involved. Yes. But after a few beers, you get... I get a little, I get a little ornery. Yeah. You get a little potty uh, mouth, Dave. I work a little blue. What does I that guess, mean? I guess you're the one who gets ornery. You get bossy. I get bossy. You get a little, uh, you get dangerous. Yeah. I, I lose my, my filter. Yeah, you really do. That's that's what it's all about. Um, here at the top of the pod, we do have a little bit of housekeeping to do. Um, some of it may reiterate what you just heard in the kind of uh, opening bumper, but we haven't recorded that yet in real time, so I don't know what I've said. <laughs> We, we won't remember what you said. I, I think on the last one, we both woke up the next day and didn't remember if we even did the bumper. Like we had to check and make yeah. sure we did. God. <laughs> yeah, last month was um, maybe one of the drunker pods that we've done. Yeah, what happened? Oh, it was because we didn't pick our... Uh, it, it was... Um, oh, because Tommy picked the beers, yes. It was Tommy's fault. Yes, we had to pick our own beers this time, but maybe next month, uh, depending on if uh, communication works works out with the uh, the patron who is due to pick our beers, uh, that might be possible next month that you won't have to think about it. Cool. You already have someone on the books then. Yes, there's somebody that is, uh, is scheduled to pick the beers. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, communicating. So, um, yes, I do want to make sure that you are aware that we have a website. It's called oldwaver.com. And that's important because it's uh, an easy place to uh, go back and look at all of the previous episodes. And it's also an easy place to buy merch and to become a patron. And uh, if you become a patron, um, you can get cool stuff and you can pick the beers, you can pick the theme of an episode um so go and check out the patron page and we'd like to welcome new patrons this month uh melissa finally got her billing situation squared away so melissa (laughs) welcome uh stephanie joel 
and Jesse. Jesse got his billing situation yes. squared away. Yes, I don't even I don't know what that means, but I'm glad that they're, they're around. Yes. Yeah, so uh, welcome to those new patrons. Uh, I believe we're up to like 19 patrons or that's something aw- like that. That's awesome. So it is uh, a very exclusive club, but one that you definitely want to be a member of because the After Dark Pod is like this pod but flipped. So it's less talking and more music, and we are way more wasted because yeah. it's at the very end of the night. It's it's after dark. We're pretty faced. Um, so let's let's give you a little bit of a, a teaser. Let's whet your appetite for what you could expect from the After Dark Pod. If you were to become a patron, should I hit the chimes? Yeah, let's uh, let's close our eyes and Ooh. think back to last Ooh. month, the February after dark, when a little something like this was it broad daylight, like no lights, just well, in the middle of the afternoon. Well, you know there was a hole in the stadium. Right, right. But I, I'm what was what was set time for the Cure? Was it still daylight when the Cure played? By the end of the Curve show, it was it was dark. Okay. So of course, oh of course, <laughs> of course, the Cure when the Curve opened for the Cure. <laughs> There's a lot of Cure and Curve going on. So of course, when the Cure. Went on after curve. Continue, yes. <laughs> Continue. Uh, it was darker. Oh, wow. Man, can you believe how drunk we were? We really know how to drink. We're kind of professionals. And our voices sound great. Yes. Uh, and the only other thing that I wanted to uh, talk to you, the listener, about off the top is um, to help grow this pod... There's two things that you can do. You can uh, tell a friend, whether that's retweeting the episode or uh, just telling them in person, like, hey, there's this dumb podcast that you might like because they play music that uh, you and I listen to. Whatever the case, please spread the word to your friends. And then uh, if you really feel like a trooper, you could go on to iTunes and leave a review So go to the HTWOW page on iTunes and uh, leave a five-star glowing review. Have we had a lot of glowing reviews? um, I think there's like three or four like actual typewritten reviews. I think we have 10 or 12 reviews. They're all five stars, bro. Did you do them yourself like under different names? (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't have a click farm (laughs) do all of our reviews for us. (laughs) They're legit, uh, but if you are a big fan of this podcast and uh, you want to uh, help it grow, then uh, yes, you can uh, tell your friends, leave a review, and of course, become a patron. So You know, you were talking about the merch, Dave. Yes. I uh, couldn't help but notice, especially because I was with them for one of the days, that some of our merch made it overseas. Really? Do you want to tell us about that now or save it for later? Well, you saw the picture. Of the uh, the pick, it made it to a Arsenal Man U game. Oh, oh, the uh, the scarf. It looks so good. Yes, yes. If you if you want to look up, uh, you can look up HTWOW on Instagram, or you can uh, go to oldwaver.com and there's an Instagram link and you can click through there. But uh, yes, one of our friends, um, I made a deal with him because he saw the scarves. I, I had posted a picture of the scarves when they came in, which is the uh, the reward for being uh, the top level patron. 
And so there, it's like a football scarf, but it says HT Wow, and then it has our logo on either side. And so our friend Jeff, when he saw the picture, he said, dude, can I have one of those scarves? And he travels a lot. And so I told him, I said, you can have a scarf if you promise to take a picture with it or take a picture of it. You don't have to be in the picture. Right. But just take a picture of the scarf anywhere you go that's cool. And so uh, he went to an Arsenal game. Who did they play? Man U. Ar- oh, the Arsenal Man U game. It was a big game. Yes. And uh, so, yes, there's a picture of Jeff <laughs> holding the scarf um, outside of uh, Emirates Stadium. It looks so good. It looks so good. I And he, I mean, I felt for him. It, it was brave of him because everybody, and he's an Arsenal supporter. But well, he had every, his Arsenal jersey yeah, on. Yeah, he had his yeah. Arsenal jersey on, but everybody who has a scarf has a red scarf. And he's walking around with a blue scarf. Now, not that Man U is blue, but it's just, it's not congruent with the Arsenal uh, colors. Yeah, and but so, you know, they do change it up. Like, I don't think it was too out of place. Did you see the video that Manny put up with them walking yeah. with everyone to the yeah. game and he had it around his neck? It looked good. Okay. It. I, I just I wasn't sure if he was risking life and limb no. representing HT Wow in enemy territory. I don't think that the stands are as dangerous as they used to be. Probably not because of how much the, the ticket prices. <laughs> yeah, I've priced out all the hooligans. <laughs> That's right. Yes, uh, yes. So HT Wow was represented at Arsenal Man U, and uh, super cool. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. And uh, yeah, I did see. I don't know if you brought. Your uh, stash of HTWOW picks on, oh, yeah. on the UK tour. Oh, they're on the ground all over. <laughs> you threw them out into the crowd and people no, just let just, them drop? No, I just, they're on uh, stages for people to sweep up afterwards <laughs> okay. when, they, when I accidentally drop them. And I saw you gave some to, to Tatch, who was a, uh, a previous guest on this podcast, yeah. Taylor Tatch. So yes, we are spreading the gospel ourselves and we... Uh, desperately need your help to do the same yeah if anyone wants a just a, one of the flimsy picks the ones on the site are more the one uh, serious the, well the ones that are in the store don't buy those they're, they're too expensive they're too it, it's like it's like twenty dollars for one pick i really just put it in the store just for fun just for grins mm-hmm. just to fill out the inventory yeah but yeah don't buy those if, if anyone sees me on the street Yes. If, and they want to pick. I have it in, you know, Levi's have that. The pickpocket, the coin pocket. What else could it be for? It's for coins. It's for guitar picks. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> Toby always has a stash of picks in his in his little coin pocket always. in his Levi's. So. <laughs> Why do you call it a little coin pocket? I don't know. Is that what it is? That's what I feel like it is. Huh. I don't know, or you, or you put your doobie in there so you don't lose it. Yeah, or some pills. <laughs> put your pills in there. <laughs> All right. Um, we need to get to some tunes, but before we do, um, have you tasted the uh, first beer of the pod? Yeah, it's good, but I also read the can, mm-hmm. and uh, man, you're really sticking it to us right here at yeah, the top. Yeah, I really am. Okay, I just had my first taste, and... Wowzers. Mm. It's, it's not bad at all. No, it's not bad, but you can definitely taste the whiskey barrel. So uh, what I ended up getting, and I always try to get the strongest beer I can find, and this one is a 11.3. Um, it is from Oak Highlands Brewery, which I think we've uh, had a beer of theirs before. Mm-hmm. They're from uh, North Texas. Um, not sure exactly where. Uh, but this is called Chump Change. 
It's an Imperial Black Saison that is whiskey barrel aged. I mean, the can looks scary to start with. I mean, they nailed it because the alcohol. You see that on the really big, right? It says it's dark, complex, different. This barrel-aged version of our award-winning Imperial Black Saison melds dark fruit and vanilla aromas with spicy oak and traditional fruity esters of the Saison style. I mean, how, huh. how do you even get the alcohol volume that high? The unique flavors of the whiskey barrel balance the dark malt flavors, leaving a warm and dry finish. Well, it's not bad, but man, this is 11.3. Yes, it comes in a four-pack, so we will uh, destroy that four-pack by the middle of the pod, and then all hell is going to break loose. Well, it's great because, man, I certainly got Chump Change's uh, gay little brother. <laughs> it is the exact opposite of this beer. Good. I don't know what the alcohol volume is, but man, if, when we put these two guys next to each other, they are not going <laughs> to know how to talk to each other <laughs> it's gonna be the gay sprightly one and the dark yeah, goth one be, standing next to each other they have a weird conversation at thanksgiving and that's the only time they talk to each other <laughs> oh, oh bro man we're having a good time should we just wrap it up yeah let's uh let's go to break <laughs> no let's play the first song so um i clued you in so you have a theme and we'll talk about the theme later. We'll also hear about your exploits in uh, British, uh, the British Empire. What Touring. is it? Great Britain? Um, sure. Touring Great Britain. Um, Quick but, little UK run. Yes, but uh, first we're going to play my first tune. And uh, as I said to you before the pod started, I went a little dancey um, with this one. That's fine. Not, li not like uh, super duper gay like the Pet Shop Boys from last month, <laughs> but definitely uh, high BPMs and uh, lots of synths. So let's get it started. I wanted to play this tune for you. Um, there is a remix of this coming out uh, at the end of this week that we're recording the pod, but obviously we can't wait for that. But I think the uh, the original version is uh, peppy and dancey enough. This is a uh, standalone single by Johnny Marr that he just put out uh, ahead of his tour. You're kidding. Yeah, so uh, he is about to embark on a, a North American tour. Wait, he didn't record a whole other album. No, 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 hey, no. This is just a... This is just a... He had just, a tune and wanted to do it. Yeah, this is just a single. Um, he released a video for it, and we'll talk about the video after the tune. Uh, but yeah, he is uh, coming over to the States at the end of April. Um, he kicks off in Atlanta. He does not make it to Texas at all. Um he makes this it here plenty. Around. Man, that guy, he just doesn't stop. No, he he does uh, tour his ass off. Um, but yeah, he's uh, touring uh, throughout the month of May. And uh, and then he's doing some festival dates um, in Europe over the summer. I don't know if you were on the uh, oh, yeah. the torturous group text. God, I looked trying... at my phone and there was like 70 messages. <laughs> There's a, a group of our friends that are trying to go to the Rockin' Scene Festival in France in August. 
and trying to convince everyone to go. Because they have, they know that they will, they already know that they'll have no plans in August. Right. How, how do they know that? They just know that nothing's going to be going on for them. Like they're already buying tickets. Right. Yeah. So it's like a three day festival. And I think Friday night. It's because they don't have kids. Friday night is uh, headlined by The Cure and supported by Johnny Marr. Wow. So if you have lots of disposable income and you want to go to uh, Paris in August, uh, that might be something that you want to consider. But no, this is uh, a tune entitled Armatopia. And it's like I said, it's just a one-off, uh, but he put it out to uh, kind of uh, pre-promote this upcoming tour. And uh, it's maybe a little bit of a uh, departure for Johnny Marr, but let's see what you think. This is Armatopia on HT. Wow.
about that, bro. Man, that's really good. Who who did that? Was that like a um like who produced it? Who yeah, helped that's, him with that it? That sounds like he did a one like someone got a hold of this tune and did a full thing with it. I don't know cuz I I can't really find anything about the recording of the song. It sounds completely different. I mean, not totally different from everything he's been doing, but man, that's like a pop number. Right. I yeah, so really like it. It's good, right? And um, I'll I'll have to show you the uh, the video later. And uh, if you're listening, is um, he breakdancing in it? No. If you're listening, you should probably go look it up because it's a uh, it's quite a good video. Um, you know, he's he's not one that makes a lot of videos, and this is probably his best one. Um, what but, a weird thing for. Um, it's for a one-off that's pretty cool that he just you think that they wrote that someone got a hold of it and he was like man we got to do this now because he makes records constantly yeah so i don't know i don't know if this is a song that didn't make it on call the comet or if this is something that they wrote on the road and they decided to record i have no idea is it a tribute to zootopia <laughs> no um he says that the song is about the the sense that the world is ending and the only thing that you can do is party and try and forget about it yeah party right through it yeah party right through it so the video um it sh it shows a bunch of uh it, it's it follows like four different people in uh kind of like a beaten down um manchester row house complex like you know yeah oh yeah crappy apartments yeah and um and so it shows them all kind of living their beaten down lives and then they all go to this same bar and then all of a sudden they meet up with all their friends and they're kind of happy because they're partying right through it and at the bar there's a johnny marr and he's he's holding a, a pint of dark beer that looks just like the beer that we're drinking uh-huh he had and, himself a chump change <laughs> yeah he's drinking a chump change um <laughs> on this stage <laughs> Uh, in front of like you know uh, a real sparkly uh, curtain, and he's just doing like a real kind of cheesy karaoke bit. I like it. Yeah, so it's it's all these people getting tanked in this uh, random bar at the end of the world, and Johnny Marr is is singing karaoke while they're drinking. Good. So, I yeah. mean, I wouldn't if it was the end of the world, and we ended up in a karaoke bar with Johnny Marr. It'd be cool if Johnny Marr was there. Yeah, it'd be great. So, um, Sing some Neil Diamond numbers. Yeah, I'm very uh, I'm very excited to show you the video later and um, you know, I've been looking at the dates and I'm not sure that there's one that I can sneak off to and make, but... You made a lot of them. Yeah. He'll be back around. I mean, the guy just... It's like his kids grew up and he was like, that's it, I'm never going home again. <laughs> right. There's no retiring for this guy. No, he looks good, though. He's growing out that uh, kind of shock of gray hair on the side of his head. Have you noticed that? Good. Yeah, he like should. I don't know if he just stopped dyeing this one patch or if this is the only patch of his head that has gone gray. Oh, okay. But it it, uh, it looks kind of cool. He's I don't got know. him a skunk. Yeah. It's on, like, the, the right side of his head. Cool. Looks I mean, like he, the singer of the damned. He, I mean, he looks cool no matter what he does. He does look pretty cool. I mean, he's, what do you think? He's like 56. 
55, yeah. God, 56 that. in October. I absolutely know. Did you know he was born on Halloween? No, but man, you are Martha Quinn today. Well, you're really. Thank you, Internet. Thank you, Giga Web. All right, so uh, that is two number one. Um, now is the time that we transition to Toby's book report. <laughs> it's not much of a book report today, which I'm happy about. Yeah, so if you weren't tipped off by the opening tune, uh, Toby is going to memorialize the late, great Mark Hollis. Yeah, and, and I want to right off the bat, I, I, um, this doesn't mean that this takes away from when we really get into the last three Talk Talk records at some point on a pod. Right, you're doing a broad brush, but you're not going to uh, go super into... Yeah music production nerdiness yeah i mean mark mark hollis passed away a few weeks ago and so we get to play a bunch of talk talk tunes we're not going to make it sad no we're going to celebrate we're going to celebrate his greatness yeah and we're going to play some tunes and i'm going to play some audio from an interview later on and uh you'll it's a great interview because you can really see how uh his brain works. Yeah, I mean, he is like the kind of um, epitome of the tortured genius. Everyone wants to try to uh, figure out how he how he does it, but um, you know, but there's been a few in the last couple of weeks who are reaching that age, like the you know the guy from the Prodigy. Yeah, Keith Flint. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I plan to play a Keith Flint number on the After Dark. Sweet, and then there's uh, but even older people like dick dale just died right but man they're gonna people are gonna start going but mark hollis and i and the guy and keith flint uh died way too early uh mark yeah, hollis both, was both only those, 64 yeah and keith flint was 49 i mean you know keith flint obviously hung himself took his own life mark hollis yeah. had a, a long illness yeah exactly so well, that's the thing. They keep saying, I can't find out what the illness was. He was a very private person. He really was since uh, 1998 when he decided to, uh, he, he says he just chose family. And he made enough money that he can kind of, you know, he said it's like I got a grant from the government to just play music and, right. and do whatever I want. But, but those two definitely hit me hard, Mark Hollis and uh, Keith Flint. And yeah. and after after Mark Hollis, I got out all of my Talk Talk records and I I went through them all. I don't have um, what's the last one? Uh, Laughing Stock. Yeah, I don't have Laughing Stock on vinyl. Well, then you're in for a treat later. Okay, good. Um, but I uh, but like I said, we're not gonna make it all a sad thing. No, his no. whole uh, I think the manager came out and was like, after a short illness, you know kind of didn't come out on the other side of it and golly i mean what a mark hollis way to die in the most subtle way in the world no one even knew he was sick right but the outpouring from all kinds of artists was amazing yeah he was a huge influence especially uh recording wise him and uh tim freezegreen yeah um, that was his collaborator later on the last three records yeah on the on this record that i'm about to play the the song at the top was from their first thing obviously called talk talk and the second record that had the huge uh it's my life um that's when he 
got involved, him and Tim Freezegreen started recording. And then it just took off from there. Um, I'm not going to play It's My Life because everyone's heard that, right? I guess. And it, it is. It, I mean, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but it is interesting how uh, they evolved from very much a, a synth pop band. You know, they were kind of being groomed along like kind of the Duran Duran Spando well, they, uh, Ballet. One of their first big tours was opening up for Duran Duran. Yeah, so they the label saw them as a, a synth pop band and their first two records kind of were synth pop. Yeah, and, and, then, the, and that's not a bad... I mean, they did it. They no, they did it great. the electric drums and everything. They did the full-on thing. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, then they... With uh, The Color of Spring in 86, they kind of turned a corner and uh, kind of got into post-rock and art pop and... Yeah, that kind of starts their trilogy of the uh, the audio engineer's dream. So, uh, so we played um, Talk Talk from It's My Life at the at the beginning, right? Or was Talk Talk on the party's over? Yeah, it should be, isn't it? Talk Talk was on the party's over. I think the first it is. one. Yeah, I mean that was their first thing. I think that when they wrote yeah, the song yeah. Talk Talk, they weren't called Talk Talk at the right, time. Right. Yeah, that they were um, they were called something else, and then they took the name of their hit song. Right. I guess. I guess. We could be making all this. Uh, sure. I don't even know. Who cares? Yeah, so so Talk Talk was off of their first record. So where are you going to uh, It's My Life or are you jumping no, to Color of Spring? No, I'm doing... This is off of It's My Life, but it's not the song because everyone's heard it and, um, you know, of course, No Doubt covered it, which kills me. But um, well, and, but, and that, but that probably helped him retire and spell, spend time with his family. Yeah, well, that was definitely a bump in his uh, mailbox, right? From then on out. But um, and then there's you know the song "Dumb Dumb Girl" from that, right? And such a shame. Mm-hmm. Those were big ones, but and I love the whole record. It's it's not to say that just they they made great records from Color of Spring on. This is. Uh, it's my life is a great record from beginning to end i mean obviously it had hits on it but there is a song called uh the last time or for the last time hold on let me look just the last time yeah it's called the last time you know that song um i just listened to this but i don't remember that song in particular so I, i i don't know but as soon as you play it you're going to know it right away. Yeah. This was a very, uh, you know, sitting around in the 80s with your buddies, you know, at their house, listening to this full record. This one was at... Uh, God, I'm, look- I'm looking at the track list. I mean, uh, Such a Shame is such a great song. Uh-huh. Tomorrow Started is such a great song. Yeah, it's a great record. Wow. Yeah, this was a big one. Um, yeah, and this is when him and Tim Freezegreen just start uh, really getting into it. But you want me to jam it? Yeah. Is there anything that um, sticks out in particular in the recording of this song that you want us to uh, keep an ear out for? Not really. It's just good. It's just badass. It's okay. just a really good song. You know, I like the uh, I like the um, memorable bit, like the um, ditty, the little line in the tune. Mm-hmm. They hit it in this one a lot. But let's uh, let's jam it. You playing this on vinyl? Yeah, is that all right? Dude, I We love haven't it. done that in a while. Let's do some vinyl. 
Hold on, let me pull this thing down. You know, it takes a little bit more work. Is to play a... vinyl? Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you putting forth the effort for everyone. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> on HTWOW. Yeah. 
You remember that, Jim? Man, that is not one that sticks in my mind, but it's great. Man, that... Uh, the bass sound and the, the the acoustic guitar stabs in there. Yeah, the scrapes. That uh, That's something I probably should have mentioned before it started. That's, that shows up a lot on the, on the last three records, the, the awesome scrape. You know, the bring. Man, they really nailed that stuff. But the main thing is the... Oh, I mean, it's sort of in our background. Yeah, you kind of ripped yeah. it off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. It's okay if you steal it if you call it an influence. <laughs> right? Right? But, um, yeah, man. That was a huge, huge record when that one came out for all of my buddies. My favorite record uh, of theirs is is absolutely um color of spring yeah that one was the one uh and you know and we'll we'll get to that we'll get to that next okay um yeah so first mark hollis jam this is it's fun we get to play talk talk stuff i know i mean it, it it's it's a, a tragedy that he passed um at a relatively young age but I guess if you're going to look on the bright side, I think a lot of people have uh, been exposed to his music in the days and weeks after his passing that otherwise may not have. Yeah. And and there's you know been a little bit of a resurgence in interest in their catalog, and uh, it's something that if you've never uh gone back and listened to you owe it to yourself to listen to if you've already uh you know if you always pigeonhole them as oh they're, they're a synth pop band or you know i just i know the hits and that's all i need to know there's so much more yeah they're uh they're they're a full full record listening band you know what i mean right they don't they don't, they don't have trash it's no uh, the, and and we'll get into this later but they they also were one of the first bands that really embraced space and silence in recording. Yeah, and we'll get to all the nerdy stuff. All the nerdy stuff. We'll get to it. All right, before we get to my next tune, do you want to um, maybe whet our appetite for uh, Deep Blue Something UK stories? Well, I wish I had a bunch. I don't, it's boring. It was, I mean, we uh, when when you're touring as as forty something and fifty something males, yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of partying going on. Well, there was. I mean, we had. It was a really good time. It was a great experiment to see if we could do it. I wanted to make sure that there, you know, we haven't played more than two shows in a row. You know, we did the open for the fix thing, right? And that was only two shows. That was the first two shows in a row we played in years. And this is the first we've played four shows in a row in probably fifteen years. You know right. What I mean? So there were there were four dates. What cities did you hit? No, there were uh, six dates. Six dates. Right. I, I want to say six. There was uh, London, um, Bristol, which was great. In Bristol, we played at a place called the Thecla, and it was on the water. Bristol is a awesome looking town, and. Uh, it was on a in the hull. It was in the bottom of a ship, like a German warship. Was the venue? That's crazy. It was really cool. 
Um, and then we played Manchester at the factory. How was that? So that is obviously the the place that um, New Order opened in the late '80s, in the middle of the rave yeah. scene. Tony Tony Wilson. Yes, Tony um, Wilson was a partner in it. But you know, this is the the first. This is the factory one, the small one. Um, that's right there. Uh, under the bridge, you know, and 24-hour party people when he's walking under the bridge on the way to the club and everyone's kind of messing with him while he goes through the door. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the factory, but it's not the Hacienda. Okay. So the Hacienda is the bigger dance club thing later on. And those are apartments now. Oh, okay. And they're called the Hacienda Apartments. <laughs> but it's a small place and it's uh, a venue on the bottom dance club on the second floor and i think there's another one on on the third floor and they're kind of about the size of uh i would say each each room is about half the size of dada okay do you know what i mean yeah so but we had these really cool uh bands opening for us that uh you know, one of them was like a Susie and the Banshees kind of band, and the other one are these dudes, you know, that look like Cure Joy Division guys. Were these bands that your uh, booking agent knew? I think it was the promoter put them on the bill. Okay. So it was, you know, it was they, a really they, good night. Did they help bring uh, a crowd? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, the, I would say most nights were really good. It was a lot of fun. Right. Okay. But so there was London, Bristol, Manchester, Manchester Nottingham, uh, Newcastle, Newcastle, Nottingham, and then Swansea. And then Swansea. It was all worth it. It was a, it was as far as an experiment to let's give this a shot and give it, you know, quick six shows in to see how this is going to work. It, it went really well. It, and it, the, it, it uh, met expectations or exceeded expectations? It went way better than I thought it would. And um, and we were traveling with a bunch of... We had a, a this cool Scottish sound guy named Aaron who, uh, who works with like Snow Patrol. Mm-hmm. And he was with us the whole time and he was awesome. And, uh, you know, and then Taylor Young went with us and played drums. And it was just, uh, you know, and usually we're, uh, when we used to do those tours, we were always in a bus. So you never really look out the window. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of in your bunk or you don't do it. So it was kind of cool that we're in this splitter van that has all the gear in the back. And we can kind of see the countryside and everything the whole time. But yeah, man, it was fun. But I wish I had, uh, you know what, after a few beers, maybe something will pop up. You know, man, like we were talking before, Manny and Craig and Jeff were just happened to be at the first gig because of the Man U Arsenal game. Right, yes. They they made a a, a whole uh, itinerary, and they saw you guys before they went to uh, the Arsenal Man U game. Yeah, and... Um, and I was of very course, jealous. And, of course, you know, Manny did our lights for years and years since did he Did he reprise that role? We um, we known that they've been drinking all day, so I told the uh, lighting director at the venue, "Hey, there might be a dude that comes up <laughs> and demands." I don't know to necessarily the, the state he's going to be in, but he does know what he's talking about. Just you know, whatever. But they showed up, and you know, he Manny was course was totally fine, and went straight to the light. To Did the- he do the whole show? He stood there with the guy the whole time, and they each did different things throughout the songs on the 
through the whole show. Oh, so they tag teamed it. Yeah. Was they, it good? The, oh, it was awesome. It was so cool that they were, you know, and Manny was telling them when to black out and to, you know, which songs needed whatever. So it was pretty cool that, you know, our lighting director happened to be in town. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to party with him for two days. So that was awesome. Right at the start of the uh, tour, you know, our buddies are in town. And our buddies from over there, uh, you know, I always talk about the guy that sends, used to send us cassettes when we were kids. Right. He was there, him and his wife, Tony and Nardine and Lucy and everybody. So that was cool to see. And uh, how many people did you tell about HTWOW while you were there? It, pretty much between every song, I uh, all I talked about was the podcast. Really? So did you um, did you have like the bumper sticker on the backside of your guitar and you just lift it up? Mm-hmm. And I kept, you know, because I have the huge tat of it on my chest. Right. So I just kept opening my shirt like Superman and showing that. Awesome! Thank you for doing that. Hey. I'll have to check our our UK numbers. It's a little wrinkled now because my packs got bigger. <laughs> Got stretched out. Yeah, they got stretched. <laughs> the W on the Wow is like, hey. All right. Well, we're about to uh, crack our our second chump change. change. So uh, maybe that will stoke some more. Um, yeah, I'll remember some stuff from uh, the Deep Blue Something UK tour coming up a little th- bit later. I, I already thought of one. Okay, good. I'll get I'll get to it later. It's it's such a uh, band on the road um, story, but you got to do it right. Yeah, you do. All right, we'll tell it later. Do you want to play a song now? Let's. Should we pause for a second, go get the other beer, and then we can start right away on what you have next? Well, yeah, cut this out. Let's talk up to the song, nah. and then and then go get the beer, and then play the song. I like to let people into our lives. Well, you know, peel back the curtain. It, it, it's better if people f- feel that this podcast is totally seamless and in real time. Nah. And uh, it, I think it it ruins the magic if they realize that we don't know what we're doing and we don't know what we're talking about most of the yeah, time. When are we going to plan ahead and just put a bunch of ice in the Yeti and bring it all in here? Why don't we? Why don't we? Should we do, we do that? that right now? No, I don't want to do that. It just seems like a lot of work. Okay. So we'll get the beer in just a minute, but let's go ahead and play my next tune. And uh, my next tune is by a UK band uh, by the name of Foles. How, yes. How familiar are you with Foles? I know the Foles, and uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, I've been in the UK recently. Yeah. And uh, they seem to have a lot of posters up and stuff. Yes, because this album just came out. Um, this is their fifth, no? Fifth. Uh, yes, fifth album. It's entitled Everything Not Saved Will Be Lost, Part 1. And uh, so it's a double album. The second part is due to come out in the fourth quarter of this year. Wow, they really overthought this. (laughs) Yeah, they did. Um, And, uh, you know, it's another one of those kind of uh, concept records about... uh, Lord of the Rings. About the, uh, the world going to shit. Man, what's up with everybody? Everybody's uh, depressed. It's it's kind of a Trump thing, probably. Um, And and they got their Brexit thing that they're dealing with over there. You see a lot of Brexit talk on the the morning talk shows. A lot of breakfast talk. Breakfast? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you fully understand what's going on. 
They uh, they talked about Brexit a lot, and um, it is difficult. I don't I don't understand it. It's difficult to get a hold of it or who's on what side. Right. Yeah, it's like a it's like a it's like a double helix. But we don't need to try and um, unpack politics that we could never understand. That's the third podcast. <laughs> yeah, after dark. Uh, is over, then we'll get into our dissertation on Brexit. <laughs> That'll be our new morning uh, wake up with High T and and Dave, right? And we'll just um, we'll just talk about politics we while be, we're hungover we won't, the next we morning. We won't be hungover at all. All right, yes. Yeah, so um, <laughs> they've released three singles uh, from this record: uh, "Exits," "On the Luna," and "Sunday." And all of those are good tunes. But I'm playing a deep cut for you because yeah. this is the song that uh, jumped out when I listened to it. And this is the song that, that uh, gave me the goosebumps. You know how when you listen to a record, every once in a while there will be a tune that you know raises the hair on the back of your neck. and This is your jam. Kind of gives you the chills. And yeah. th this is the jam. So I am... Uh, I'm a pretty big Foles fan. I'm not going to say I'm a huge Foles fan. I have seen them a couple of times. Where'd you see the Foles? I saw them at Lollapalooza a long, long time ago uh, after their first record. And then I saw them at Granada uh, maybe 10 years ago or so. I'm are not they, even are, sure. Are they Foles or the Foles? Just Foles. Mm -hmm. Just Foles. And so uh, the tune that I'm going to play for you is entitled In Degrees. I N degrees in degrees and uh, this is uh, the hottest jam in old waivers opinion off of the brand new record everything not saved will be lost part one you can hear it now on HD wow
dancey number yeah they get after it um i'm liking that these everyone's kind of getting dancey. does it feel like everyone's getting a little dancey again maybe i mean this is somewhat of an outlier uh on the record there's uh definitely a couple of tunes that are a little bit more math rocky that you might expect from Foles, mm-hmm. and there are a couple of uh you know mid-tempo anthem type tunes um so they kind of run the gambit, but uh, there are a couple of dance, dancey-ish numbers. Gambit. Is it gambit or gamut? G-A-M-B-I-T. I don't know. I mean, you're the you're the wordsmith. I don't know. Um, um, but, but I like that. I like the percussion. You know, I was pointing it out that it sounded like a pencil on a uh, glass ashtray. Right. You know that. You know that Ica yeah. song, like Ica. Uh, um, you know, it's like a New Orleans, like a Mardi Gras song. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Sitting by the, they did all the percussion in the waiting room on uh, with pencils on ashtrays. Really? And that's what that sounded just like. I bet they did that. Yeah. Well, towards the end, I was like, it sounds like we're at the hacienda because yeah. it did. It did get kind of a house ravey type yeah. thing at the end. I like that. That's good, Foles. Yeah, it was good. So, um, and I don't know. It, I don't know how much you've listened to Foles, but um, something that set that tune apart for me is kind of the the synth bass. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know their their bass player um, by the name of Walter Gervers. He's a Walter. He uh, left the group last year. Mm-hmm. It was evidently an amicable split, but um, now that he's gone, 
uh, the front man, Giannis Philippakis. Um, he has taken over playing bass in the studio as well as uh, their keyboard players playing some of the bass. And a lot of that bass is okay, so what's synth their, bass. Okay, so what's their lineup when they're on stage? It's like drummer, singer. What, what do they look like? Well, Giannis plays guitar generally and sings. And then uh, they have uh, Jimmy Smith as their guitar player. Then they have a drummer, uh, Jack Bevan, and then a keyboard player. Edwin uh, Congrave. So they have a... It's a five-piece. So the, oh, okay. I'm sure they'll have a, a touring bassist, but they don't have an official bassist at the moment. Das Bassas. Um, but Giannis, if you ever get a chance to see them, um, he you know he's bearded, has really tight black curly hair, mm-hmm. and uh, just... He's kind of... Um, he's kind of built like a... I don't know, like Messi or like Aguero, Sergey Aguero, you know, like (laughs) kind of like a a stocky footballer. Sure. You know, like a short, squatty, powerful footballer. (laughs) Um, That's what he looks like to me. That's awesome. And he's he's just a great front man. I mean, when when I saw him at Granada, he was uh, climbing all over the place. You know, you felt like he was about to die, like he was about to fall to his death. He's just, he's, he's really intense and uh, really a great singer, great presence on stage. And uh, this entire record is really good. It's grown on me. I'm really excited about it because their last couple, I haven't really listened to that much. So in uh, 2008, they came out with their debut, Antidotes which was very math rocky. Uh-huh. You remember that one? Not really. I mean, I remember the band. I don't I've never owned any uh, foil. And then so their se- their, their their second record in 2010 was kind of their breakout. It was Total Life Forever. And uh-huh. we'll, we'll probably play a song off of that on the the late night uh, after dark. And then in 2013 they had Holy Fire and in 2015 they had What Went Down. And those two I didn't really listen to a whole lot. Um, maybe I need to go back and uh, double check and make sure that I didn't miss something. But Revisit. I need to revisit. But this one, um, Everything Not Saved Will Be Lost, is uh, definitely a good, um, you know, it's, as you said, it's, it's very overwrought that they're releasing a double album and they're releasing it like six months apart from one another. Um, but, you know, whatevs, bro. How are you feeling about uh, beer number two of the Chump Change? Uh, it's strong. I feel like... Is 11.3 catching up a little bit? It certainly is. I feel... You know when you get right above your... Right below your eyebrows where it's like somebody taped a bunch of pennies and you're, you're starting to feel a little heavier than your, your lids are... It takes a lot of effort to open your lids. Yeah, yeah. You kicked us off. I sure did. This has got to be the strongest one, except for the one that just the went, one that they get just guessed. Even know. Just, <laughs> it could have been thirteen. They, they don't know. Good luck. Good what luck drinking it. Don't birthday. don't die of alcohol poisoning. Um. So what are we doing now? So now it is uh, time for talk talk tune number two. Okay. So we've had the uh, we've had the talk talk song. The first one. Do you remember the video? The talk talk video the for, for the which song one? talk talk no man i loved it 
I, uh, I remember the drummer had like this ponytail and he kept whipping it around like a short ponytail. Uh-huh. And they were wearing those, uh, I think their get up was the, wait, it's on this album cover. See this get up with the white oh, shirts yeah, with the black. They're like, um, it's kind of like a cross between Duran Duran and Kraftwerk. And a little Spandau Ballet. Yeah. Um, but it's like the white shirt with the black tie. Oh, so you've got the the uh, the single, like the twelve inch. Yeah, dude, that's a single. Look at this record. Dude, you're Check so this cool. Out. You're so cool. Look at this record. Picture disc. <laughs> we'll have to. We'll, we will take a picture of that. Oh yeah. What do you think of that? It's it's uh it's a butterfly that looks like a tiger. This is a single. Meow. For um. Living in another world, uh, but. That's a pretty cool record, right? Dude, where'd you score that one? It's like a butterfly, but it's a tiger face. That's what I just said. Did you see it and say that? Yes. Okay. Roll it back. I just said what you just said. Yeah, but I was doing something. But it, what, this is what I want you to look at. Are you ready? Are you going to play that? Um, no. Have well, you ever I'll played play it? it? Is it too delicate to play? No, you can play it. It's not like <laughs> Don't it's, even look at it. It can't like be I touched. Cut, I cut it out of the back of a cereal box. It's like a real record. But um, I want you to look at this day uh, at the record store. I think that this was in Kansas, but look what I bought this day. I found the receipt was in the thing. <laughs> oh, shit. Tell me that's not a good day at the record store. Uh, so uh, this particular single only cost you five ninety nine. That's right, sir. It's a great deal. Let's see. Uh, UB40. Sure. Zymox. Uh-huh. Jesus and Mary Chain LP, Jesus and Mary Chain 12, uh, 10 inch, <laughs> Cure 12 inch, uh-huh. Depeche Mode, Depeche Mode, Heaven 17, uh, The Cure Walk, and this. Is that a day or what? You scored. Yeah, that was probably about 12, wow. 12 it, years ago at a record store in Kansas. Yeah, it was in 07, and you spent uh, $93 and 41 cents, but it, you, you scored. Right? Do you remember which uh, Depeche Modes it was? No, I don't remember. But that was a big... Man, that's a good haul, right? I yeah. saw that today and I was like, man, look at that. Yeah, the most expensive uh, on your ledger was uh, the Cure Walk. You spent 23 bucks on that thing. You're kidding me. I think you got hosed on that. It's all right. It I was, mean, I mean you, a, need, you need to have it. Well, it's but a I don't first... Think it's, uh, I don't think it's worth 23 bucks. I didn't realize I had the walk. We'll have to play that later tonight. We should. Or maybe sure. I should just keep it in the... Well, you definitely need to find something that you also bought at that record store to play on the After Dark. I will. Something from that that receipt. But I got I got the Tiger Face Butterfly out because <laughs> it is from um, The Color of Spring. They're it's their peak, in my opinion. They're starting to really get into the recording process. I want to say... Uh, after this record, if you want to see, if you want to see what Talk Talk was like live, I want to say after this record is there's a DVD for the uh, the is it the Montrose uh, the Jazz Festival? Oh right. Uh, because uh, the last two records they didn't tour behind because no, I would it say was, it was impossible much. for them to play that stuff live. And he just he didn't want to do yeah, it. Yeah, and he didn't he want like, to do the it. The performance is on the record. I don't want to do this. See, he lived. He actually, people in bands say a lot of stuff, and they don't follow through with it. And he follows through every time. Right. Like 
I'm going to make a bunch of hits at the start, and then I'm going to make a bunch of records that that only I want to do, and I don't care if anyone buys them or if the record company sues me or anything else. Because even at the very end, when he had to fulfill the... When the band broke up after Laughing Stock, he just did a solo record that pretty much sounded just like a record that would be after Laughing Stock. He was like, yeah, I'll, I'm never going to perform these. I'm not even going to perform these in my living room. Did he, didn't he sue his label because they were so beaten with his uh, experimental records that they put out an unauthorized greatest hits or something? Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Because after, yeah. Okay, so Color of a Spring had hits on it. Still. Yes. Yeah, this was kind of the the tipping point between early and late Talk Talk. Yeah, so he, uh, during the It's My Life record, It's My Life comes out and it's a hit song. They make the video, of course. You remember the video where it's all just uh, African safari scenes? Right, and then they had to recut it because the, the label hated it. Yeah, the label said, we have to have you singing. And so he hated being on camera singing so much that he really did a bad job with it and put the like the X mark over his mouth. and like So the battle with the record company starts right then, right? Album, but, album two, it starts. Yeah, so uh, album three, there's hits on this one. And I think their biggest hit for the band before It's My Life kind of took off even later on uh, is Life, Life's What You Make It off of this one. Yes. Would you say that that was their biggest one? I think it is even on their album sales stuff. Maybe so. It's, I mean... It, to me, it's my life is their biggest tune. Like, um, yeah, I think it's my life is is definitely the biggest tune. But life's what you make it is a definite close second. I think that this one charted the best for them. But um, and then we, of course we played my favorite song from this is uh, "Give It Up" that we played on the late night last time, right? Yes. But I'm glad I thought for sure that we've already played this song, but I'm glad we didn't. So. Do you want to hear it? I would love to hear it. Let's hear a hit. But this yes, in the UK, it, it is kind of a toss-up as to which was the bigger song, um, Life's What You Make It or uh, It's Be My Life. Yeah, because how do you treat the re-release? Right, I mean? yeah. Yeah, so if you just look at the original release, Life's What You Make It is definitely their, their top uh, hit. Yeah, and this was, a I, I think, do you remember the video for this? Yeah, this is the one where he's at the piano in the woods, and there's yeah. all the woodland creatures <laughs> and the, the leaves like, and all the stuff. yeah, the yeah. leaves and the and the caterpillars uh, and centipedes and all that stuff. Right. It's a very bizarre video, but it's super dude, cool. it's it's it is it is a hit for a reason. It's such a good jam. Yeah, they they found the the baseline on the piano and stuck with it, and boy, it's a good one. Let's play it. It go like this on HD Wow.
It's a hot jam, right? Man, they they do mm. never get away from the piano groove. Yeah, he, he he found a thing and stuck with it. And that's a filthy guitar tone. I know it's so good. We'll get to that on the last one that I play. Uh huh. There's a lot of there's a lot of themes going on, Dave. When do you when do you come across Talk Talk? Well, they're one of those bands that I knew the hits in the '80s just because I was a child of the '80s. Yeah, I mean, you grew up in Dallas, so the Talk Talk was on the edge. Right, but it wasn't until it, probably that I became friends with you and became friends with other music nerds and musicians later in life that I realized that Talk Talk was a thing. And then... After it's the hits, yeah, yeah, and then it's probably, you know, it's probably maybe 10 years ago when I first started collecting vinyl that I hoarded all those Talk Talk records and started to understand. Yeah, it. Um, we listened to the rim off of that freaking record all the time but yeah and uh if you just want to discuss uh album charting Mm -hmm. as as opposed to album sharding Mm -hmm. two different things uh color of spring is by far their best performer reaching number eight in the uk yeah and i think that and you know after this one um and it's cool that they that someone filmed it real nice because they decided after this they're not playing anymore. Maybe we uh, on the after dark. Maybe we should look up a like a live jam from that DVD and play that. Oh man! Remember they had the video for uh, "Give It Up." I think was from that. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, Some one of our friends posted that after his passing. Yeah. I remember watching that. I did the uh, uh, "Believe in You" one. Did you watch it? Where he's sitting there on the chair, and the light just keeps getting brighter. No, I don't think I saw that one. It's haunting. I was going to play that for the next jam, but it's too its too serious. We like to keep it light on HD Wow. Yes. All right, so we need to uh, get to your next beer. We need to get to more UK stories, and we'll, uh, I guess, finish up uh, talking about Mark Hollis falling on the sword and taking on the music industry. We'll get into that um, before your last jam. Okay. Um, So let's get another beer. Yeah. And we'll be back. It'll be so fast on the pod how fast we get the beer and get back. Yeah. If you just listen to the cat. (laughs) The cat is like. The cat is like, bro, it's time for the next beer. It's beer time. All right. So um, let's uh, count to three and we'll be back with another beer. One, two, three. See, see what we did? It's like Bewitched. <laughs> All right. So, do you remember Bewitched? Yeah, of course I do. Golly, I'm ex- so good. I'm extremely excited to talk about this beer. It's your beer, so you start. <laughs> okay. I said that it was fruity, right? Mm-hmm. It's called Big and Bright. It's an IPA by Carbach. We've had Carbach before. Yes. Um, Houston Brewery. Houston Brewery. Um, <laughs> you pointed out that it says Squawzen on it because it is grapefruit infused. <laughs> At the top, it just says Squawzen. <laughs> Brewed with grapefruit. Brew. Did you taste it? it yeah. 
Do you want to read the description or do you want me to? You do it. You're the guy. Let us tell y'all about this brew you're fixing to enjoy. Big and Bright IPA is what happens when you add a big heaping helping of Jester, Citra, and Simcoe hops to the bright and shiny squeeze of grapefruit that's ripe for the picking. Take one sip and you'll feel these taste buds a-hopping or tingling. We know you're going to enjoy the fruits of our labor. Did you add, did you add a hopping? Yeah, I, I think that's I ac- what it should have been. I accidentally said hopping instead of tingling. Get your taste buds hopping. Um, oh, man. Of course, anything after death brew, whiskey death brew, is pretty refreshing. Yeah, boy, you're right. There's so many sparkles on this can, and it's it's like half orange and half pink. I know. It looks like, um, you know, outside of the... <laughs> You know the security guards outside of the Vatican? <laughs> right. <laughs> that wear those flamboyant uh-huh. uniforms that look like it's... But they're serious. Like, they kill, they can kill you. Yes, they but can. They, they don't look like they would. And that's what the can looks like. But but uh, I don't see it here on the can, but you'd said uh, the... I guess the six-pack box had the uh, ABV, and this is... Uh, it's a pretty this serious... This is no wuss. No, this it was is like a serious six brew. Six and a half or something? Six, seven. Six, seven. So, yeah, we're going to be good and drunk by the end here. Man. Yeah, dinner's going to be sloppy. <laughs> um, but, boy, that tastes good. That's nice. I love it. I love it. I, I love it. Love it. Okay. Heart are you so much. Are you drunk enough to tell us more UK stories before my next tune? Well, what what do you think is the um what do you think every band has to go through like since since Deep Blue or Leper Messiah day 1 when you go on a road trip, what happens to the vehicle? Um mechanically. Oh, that uh you get a flat tire. A flat tire. We got a flat tire. Where was this? This was uh on the way to the last gig in Swansea. On the way to Swansea, but um, do they have do they I have roadside we in assistance Wales, yes. in Wales? Well, this is the thing. Tiger, t- the uh, our uh, rental company that was providing the transport. Uh, they provide roadside assistance, and we have our uh, Scottish sound guy who was so nice did he change the tire he was the most chilled out guy in the world um which we needed of course but he was already like well we're calling the thing to do whatever and (laughs) he didn't realize he's in a van with five dudes from texas (laughs) and we're like and kirk's in the back he's like is there a spare on this son of a bitch like what's (laughs) going on so we look and they're and Aaron's trying to call the. It's like no, I, I'm pretty sure we should call the. And we're like, no, no, are you kidding me, brother? <laughs> we find the. Objective baby up. We were at a a service station when we realized that the tire was going low. We had a giant nail in it, and we changed that thing in like 15 minutes. You should have seen this. It was deep blue, working like clockwork. Everybody had a job, and this thing was done instantly. It was so awesome. When was the last time you had changed a tire before that? Um, I don't know, four or five years. Really? It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Because I've, I've had a couple of flats in the last decade, 
and I've totally just relied on roadside assistance because I didn't want to deal with it. You're well, so crazy. I know. Well, like the last couple cars I've had, the the spare is like mounted underneath the chassis. Well, that's what was going on with this. Kirk somehow knew how to get the tie, the spare out of the bottom like you lower the thing. Right. So he was getting that going while me and Clay and Todd, you should have seen because this was like a Mercedes splitter thing. Uh-huh. So getting these lugs off of this deal, it was insane what it took. And uh, so actually Todd was on the on the jack, <laughs> you know, on the on the because uh, he's got he's got the upper body strength. Yeah. So but he's um he figured out how to make the hydraulic like get the jack going. So he got that happening. And me and Clay were on the tire. Uh, obviously busting out those lug nuts. Yeah, we're getting the lug nuts. You you have noticed that we haven't said Taylor's name yet. Right. He's he's buying some uh, some meat pies in he's, the service station. He seemed to be doing other things and was he was amazed by what was happening in front of him. But we were not going to wait for the service guy for an hour for him to even get there right. to change the freaking tire. Did you loosen the lug nuts before you jacked the vehicle? Because that's key. Oh, yeah, dude. Of course. Yeah, we got to have the... Because you got to have the um, leverage. You got to have the... Yeah, you got to have the torque of the, the tire on the ground. Yeah, so we have the, uh, you know, the bar, the crowbar that's getting the lugs off. Mm -hmm. And they're so tight that... <laughs> Clay and I are taking turns, like Clay is holding my shoulder, I'm holding his, and we're just jumping up and down on the thing to get it to start going on each right. lug. Man, we had this. and uh, I wish somebody our, had gotten this all on video. Our sound guy, I think a few, I think Taylor might have filmed it. That's what Taylor was doing. He uh -huh. filmed it. And uh, I know he's got a picture of it, but uh, man, you should have seen it. We made short work of that thing, and we were on the road like that. Look at you. Like yeah, that. see, the last time I changed a tire was on my old Land Rover, which had a rear-mounted spare, so it was right there. And so I... I oh, yeah, like a Jeep, like on the back yeah, of the thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I uh, blew out a tire on the freeway on the way to the airport. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, and so I, it was like record time. It was like 15 minutes, but it was handy because the spare was rear mounted right there, yeah. and so i was just like on the shoulder of 183 <laughs> changing the tire but were you I, making a flight or picking yeah no up? no i was i was making a flight and you made it and made it yeah money yeah but that's the last time because i don't want to deal with you know the, like cars like fancy new cars these days like the the jack is like hidden and the spare is hidden underneath and you need to like read like a chapter of the of the manual to oh, figure man. out how to do it when i saw with the where the tire was mounted under the thing and i found it in the manual because i was like there's no way kirk's gonna get this thing out of here i found it in the dash and so i cruised back there and there's all these numbers and crank this one to this whatever and all this stuff and i look over and kirk's like i got it and he's just, just holding the tire in his hand and i'm like dude was it a full-size spare oh yeah it was massive awesome the spare was better than the tire that was on there so right we, yeah we, yeah because we it was good. it was a uh, it was a virgin tire uh -huh. never, the, never been on the road but the jack the hydraulic jack thing was under where uh clay either clay or todd would like to sit in front with mm -hmm. the driver and it was under the passenger's uh, feet, like in the floorboard. That's weird. Yeah, it was way up there. 
That's where the jack and all the tools. So, you, did the, you have to reference the manual to find that? Uh, it was what was real funny is the guy, uh, Aaron was really referencing the, the manual a lot to get all this stuff done, and then we just didn't care anything about any of that, and people just took the whole van apart. <laughs> Did you get your deposit back? It was a bunch of Texas dudes going absolutely crazy on this van, but that tire was changed in 10 minutes. Oh, man, the Tiger Tours couldn't believe that we jumped that tire out of there and changed it that quick. They were like, good and sweet. You you deserve your entire deposit back. You guys nailed it. Snailed it. (laughs) Snailed it. So that's a story, right? Yeah, that's a good story. So um, was there ever a night where... Anyone was overserved. Did did uh, did Taylor ever uh, experience the excesses of the rock and roll lifestyle that that he had not experienced that you guys had? Well, there. Well, you know that Taylor and I and all the many bands that we played together in have um, been way overserved many times. You've probably been there for most sure. of them. Sure. Um, this will be boring. Um, <laughs> by the end of the tour, Taylor and I were high-fiving that this was the best we felt every single morning. That you really took it easy? We weren't planning to because we stayed at Hilton's. Mm-hmm. And so we would play the show and in the UK, and I remember this during the Calhoun tour too, the person working the front desk will go over there and open the bar for whoever wants to hang out and we would just drink in the hotel till two in the morning but we weren't going out to pubs after the show because we loaded the gear and then we would just go back to the hotel so one by one people would just depending on how tired they were would just go to sleep because you were already at the hotel but for some reason because of that none of us ever Got it, it just super, it slowed it down a little bit. Yeah, we none we felt great the next day, every single day of the tour, which was also a very strange experience. That everyone was in a good mood every day and not um, wanting to kill each other. <laughs> I'm sure you don't want to play the uh, the IGTV interview. Was that the only TV that you guys did in, in London or ITV? Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the only TV. We did do uh, Manchester Radio, Swansea Radio, something in Bristol, I think. We did a lot of we did a lot of interviews, like BBC stuff. But yeah, that was the only TV one. Um, you wore your your best hoodie. Yeah, everyone made a big deal out of the hoodie. <laughs> what was I supposed to wear? I don't know. Um, I don't know, but it's, it's my it just, thing. It just was funny that you were wearing a, a t-shirt and a hoodie on TV. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not. Dre- what was I supposed to wear? I don't know. Pretend you're a rock star. Wear leather. Yeah, wear sequins. <laughs> no. <laughs> and now, what was Todd wearing? How come no one messed with him? I don't know. Was he wearing like a collared shirt or something? Yeah, he was wearing something boring, something a Colleyville dad would wear. That was the first day we got there. I mean, we just got off the plane, and they took us to a TV thing. I'm sorry. I thought I looked pretty good for traveling for that long. You saw me. I did. Did you see the host of the show? Yeah, she was nice. Goodness gracious. Did she uh, ask for backstage passes? No, but I think she... uh... Did anyone hook up on the tour? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) 
Who got laid on the tour? <laughs> no, those days were gone even during the days, Dave. Damn. Um, I just, I'm just trying to live vicariously. I wish it was more like Motley Crue, but it definitely <laughs> yeah. was not. Here's another story. Do you want another one? Yes, please. This is the last one. Okay. This is it. Sure. So Swansea, the last night. Swanza! Swan, and there's this guy named Big Gary, and he's the guy that's taking care of everything that I'm talking back and forth with. And he is, when they call him Big Gary, he's a big dude. Like 300 plus? Like a I, mountain I, of a man? Whatever he is, he was awesome and the nicest guy. And all the people in Swansea, Welsh people are just the nice. It's like the Canada of the UK. You right. You know what I mean? They're all so nice. But uh, so Todd, I could tell on the way there, he's kind of coughing a bit. And, you know, we this is we've been on the road for eight days. We played six <laughs> right, shows. It's arduous. Yeah, I'm it's a one week tour. Yeah, I'm used to this. But, you know, they don't do this every day. A lot of the dudes and this is this part of the experiment by the end of it. Um, so, you know, and England is rainy and it's moldy. Mm -hmm. And so he was getting this sinus thing. <laughs> Which Kirk had had from the beginning, but Todd is getting it. It's coming on, and he's coughing like he's got, like, uh, <laughs> consumption. Like TB? <laughs> you know, the cough is coming on. I could tell, like, in the car, like, something's happening. We're playing the show, and everyone's kind of looking over at me. And um, I've been known to be in my own world a lot <laughs> when we're playing. And not sure. Like, there's a couple of other stories I'll tell you later on that happened during the shows that uh, things are going on behind me that I didn't see, and I would just start the next song, and things would get uh, started a little later than what I planned on. But uh, so everyone's looking over at me, and I'm like, what's going on? And, and, and then I finally look at uh, Clay, and Clay leans over and goes, Todd's voice is gone. <laughs> like, completely. Really? Halfway during the set. So you had to... And I look at him, I'm like, what? And he's like, my voice is, uh, it's gone. So and you had I'm, to do the whole la last part of the set? It's halfway during the set, so it's okay. Mm -hmm. I sing half the song, so I'm like, okay. So I sing three songs in a row, but you know, you got to do the bat, right? That's why everyone's in there is to see us do breakfast at Tiffany's. And, um... But it's one of those occasions that it works out even better than if we would have done it. Because the whole crowd sang it? Yeah, so Todd's like, seriously, you got to get over and help me do this thing. And so everyone crowds like all right there, right? And the song starts up and we just turn the microphones around and they sang the whole thing. Really? It was. Is there footage of this? Oh, yeah. Okay. There was a documentary crew with us from day one. When is that going to come to fruition? I don't know. We'll see. But those were super nice guys, too. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. Like, it, you know, it's one of those moments. It's better than us doing it ourselves. Right. And it, and it was organic because he really did lose his voice. Yeah, he's like, I'm not doing this as a bit. I really can't uh, sing anymore. And he was barely being able to talk on the microphone. Right. So the song starts up and Todd kind of gets him going on the first word. And then he just steps back and starts playing the bass. And me and Clay and uh, Kirk just kind of sing w along with them in the choruses, but I had my mic turned around, so I didn't really, you know. But it, that kind of worked out pretty cool. Dude, that's great. Yeah. I love I love those kind of stories. Yeah. And I'm glad you shared it with us I on shared HQL. It with you. Um, do you want to, um, let's get into other tunes. Yeah, so uh, I have one more tune, and then you are going to close us out with uh, 
one more Mark Hollis tune. Yeah, and a little audio from an interview. Oh, yes, as we uh, talk about his uh, kind of avant-garde, uh, anti-establishment nature. Yeah, have you ever heard his voice? No, talking? I've never heard him right. speak, so, so I'm very good. curious to see what that's going to be like. Okay. All right, so uh, I told you that uh, I kept it dancey. We started with Johnny Marr. We played the Foles. Uh, this one is the danciest of them all. Yeah. Uh, and it is, uh, you know, I, I usually save my guilty pleasure for the last one. And this definitely fits that bill. This is from uh, a brand new record uh, from a band called The Faint. Are you aware re- of The Faint? I remember The Faint at one South by being... Uh, one of the bigger bands down there. Yes, I remember seeing them at a South by probably, I don't know, oh, was during oh, four greater, or greater something. Good days. Oh one, oh four, somewhere around there. Right. Um, yes. So they just put out their seventh uh, proper full length record. They are a uh, a synth pop band out of Omaha, Nebraska, of all places. I thought they were from Oklahoma. I could have sworn. No, you're probably right. I, I just. If, You're making me double check. Yeah, no, no they're, yeah, they're Nebraska, all, Omaha, probably, Nebraska. Yeah, I just probably thought Oklahoma. And so uh, this record is uh, entitled Ego Work with work spelled like craft work. Gotta make that work. So E-G-O-W-E-R-K. And uh, it's really uh, quite a good record front to back, front to cover, as you like to say. Twerk. And uh We'll talk a little bit more about the band um, after the song, but again, I picked the song that's not the single, that's not the the song that they want you to hear. I picked the song that spoke to me, that made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. This is a song called Own My Eyes by The Faint on High Tea with Old Waver, H-T-W-O. W.
Yeah. That's some synth uh, jams. It's a hot one, right? I remember um, thinking years ago when they were doing this that they were um, they were kind of ahead of the game on bringing back the synth jams. Yeah, so their, uh, their second album was the first one that I became aware of, uh, which was in 99, called Blank Wave Arcade. And then they followed that up with their second record in 2001 called Dance Macabre. Yeah, it's good. It's and, um, I, I, they're almost like a the early ministry thing, right? Last time. Yeah, yeah. The the thing that I like about the Faint and they're you know another one of my pet bands that I love that no one else seems to care about, uh, at least of my friends anyways. Well, how do they do? Like when they come through and play, how, how does the faint do? I don't know that they've played in Dallas all that much. So I can't really tell you. I don't know. But you've seen them. I have seen them. Um, man, they may be open for somebody at uh, like Starplex at mm-hmm. some point. Um, I'll, I'll look it up here in a minute. But... Um, the thing I like about them is uh, similar to the reason that I like LCD Sound System is that they are a rock band with synthesizers. So it's a, it looks like a band up there. There's a drummer. Right. Yeah. There, there's a drummer. They uh, you know they play a lot of uh, live instruments. It's not all pre-programmed. It's not all uh, you know in the can that there's a performance going on, even though they're playing all these electronic sounds. It's in the can. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I know. I think that that's cool. I mean, they're from Omaha. They got to like set up and actually play. Right? Right. I mean, that's kind of a, I can't see them. I mean, well, I don't know. Omaha's, you know, it's weird how many bands came from Omaha. Isn't like uh, the your favorite band 311's from there? I'm not a... Take that back. Take, I thought that was your thing. Take it back. You have like a 311 kind of... Uh, you know, like you were singing Jimmy Eat World kind of... Uh-huh. Yes. No, you were singing Jimmy Eat World. So... Uh, it was li- on in the liquor store. <laughs> Man, what a crazy it's song. It's a jam. It's a hot jam. Uh, so they have actually played five times in Dallas. Um... The first time in 05, they played at Nokia Theater. Dang, by themselves? Yeah, I don't know, I guess. Holy crap. Uh, they played in 2008 at the Palladium, in 2009 at, at Granada, at uh, House of Blues in 2012, and back at Granada at, in 2014. Okay, so they and do I, I pretty I well. Then. I don't think I've seen any of those shows. How did I miss all of those shows? What was I doing? Partying. You're probably at the Dubliner. Yeah, probably. But uh, they are, um, they do have some great tunes. And, uh, you know, I recently went to the Good Records moving sale. Did you know they moved? I, I did know that. They moved over by the um, Barbex. Yes. So they, they moved off of Greenville Avenue and they moved over to uh, kind of the uh, White Rock Casa Linda hood. Yeah, that's my old hang. Yes, and so um, they were trying to get rid of uh, a bunch of stuff that they didn't want to move, and they had a big sale at the old place on Greenville. And one of the things that I scored 
was a uh, kind of a uh, compilation of the faint. I feel like that's one of those band names that, um, like the faint hasn't been taken yet. Right? It's but a good name. By the time they get it in 1999, surely the faint has been up before then. Evidently not. So, yeah, I will play. You don't know. I brought it with me. I'm going to play um, uh, something off of the uh, the vinyl that I got at Good Records on the uh, After Dark. After Dark's going to be so good. It is. It's going to um, be a party. Oh, before we move on from the faint. Tote. Um, I wanted to bring this to your attention Tote. and uh, also bring it to the attention of our HTWOW listeners. Uh, in the event that anyone wants to join me, I haven't bought tickets yet. But I fully intend to go. Um, I have uh, tried to talk my uh, beautiful uh, and lovely fiance into joining me. I don't think she will, but I think she is going to, fingers crossed, trust me to go by myself. Uh, there is a festival in Long Beach, California. <laughs> On May 3rd and May 4th. Holy crap, why are you going all the way to Long Beach? Because! Who's playing? Listen to this. Okay, so the the festival is called Just Like Heaven. Okay. And uh, among those playing, Phoenix, MGMT. Okay, good. Beach House. All good. The Rapture. Yep. Mike Snow. The Mm. Faint. Tokyo Police Club. Wow. Neon Indian. Washed out. And that's about it. Man, they um But it, it's it's basically every band that I loved in the early aughts. It's everything that I loved from 2000 to 2010. You know what I was going to ask you? What band that has start any band that has started in the last 5 years? Uh huh. Is any band doing well? I don't know. I mean, I can't answer that off the top of my head. Surely, it's, it just seems to me that all these festivals and all of these things that are going on, and even like the Paris thing that Craig and all them are going to. I mean, the Cure. There, it's everything. It's all bands from years and years ago. Well, if you look like, at... Like, is there any new if you, rock band doing anything no. right now? Well, I mean... Besi- besides 1975. Right, or uh, Greta Van Fleet. But yeah, if but you... boy, they, they took a hit, didn't they? But if you, uh, if you look at, like, uh, Coachella or... I don't know. Um, uh, what's its uh, Hangout Fest... That's at Gulf Shores, bro. Yeah, Gulf Shores. Um, dude, it's all like, it's all millennial bands. It's all like the Chainsmokers. It's all like, you know, dudes. Okay, so you uh, would say like... It's oh, all like DJ dudes and uh, like rappers, like Chance the Rapper. Of the newer bands, I guess Chainsmokers are the biggest? I don't know, but they're not a band. Oh, they're like, not? What are they? No, it's it's like one dude that stands on a table and... and sings the same words over and over and then it's another dude that presses play on his laptop oh i thought that they, i thought they were a band no they're not a band huh the 1975 fa- is a band yes i 19, know you nine, hate them. i hate them but they are a band but it's funny todd hates them too 
<laughs> I would think that Todd would like them. No, he hates them. Liam loves them. Um, I like them too, but you, you and Todd just hate them. Well, Taylor loves them. Taylor and, likes them. And he keeps on trying to sell me on them, and I'm like, no, they're garbage. No, I don't want to sell that, people on anything. That stupid singer and his giant chest tattoo. It's funny, Todd is just as angry as they're you are awful. about them. They're awful, but if you look at the the I major if you look at the major festivals this summer in the U.S., it's all rappers and DJs and just millennial garbage. There's you know we've we've kind of run through all of our dinosaur acts, all of our '70s, '80s, and '90s nostalgia bands. Yeah, and, but they're the ones still headlining everything. Right, but the the festival booking agents don't want to recycle too quickly and so they've used up all of that equity they've used up all of those bands That's so true. so now they have to just book current bands and the current bands can't can't headline a festival yeah that's what i mean like i don't think there's any band strong enough right now to headline a festival because if you think about it the killers are old Right, yeah. You know what I mean? But, but they're headlining several festivals this summer. Because no one else because can do they, it. But yeah, because they're the, the ones left on the buffet. And like Cole plays on vacation. Right. <laughs> or whoever, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, if you are... A, if and you, Coldplay is older than us. Right. You know what I mean? But if you're, if you're a big band and uh, you want to make some money, just, you know, scrape together a few songs, put out a record, and you can headline every festival because... They're just dying for headliners. Because record companies don't exist, really. Wow, we men. Speaking of record companies, okay, let's get back into Mark Hollis because he had a very adversarial relationship with his labels. It's like revisionist history. I've read a lot of stuff after his death where people from his labels... Because they eventually like put him on a jazz like sub label of the well, label well, that this he was is on. The, well, this is what happened. So after it's my life, Color of Springs going on. You can tell that um, the band is still there. You know, which the band is just um, Mark Hollis. Uh, uh, is it Webb? Uh, uh, I forget his name, but there's the bass player and the drummer, and the drummer is probably one of the most underrated. Drum, like no one ever talks about him but he is um, he's intense how great he is I mean watch that mantra thing like what he is doing on stage is crazy how good he is so they, they call out uh, Lee Harris Paul Webb and yeah, Paul Simon Webb. Brenner as uh, primary members Simon Brenner was gone really early so it was just Paul Webb and the drummer um, and then Tim Freezegreen was in the band but he never wanted to be in any picture or never publicity-wise wanted to do it. But he had a major part. and he, he played all the keyboard stuff, basically, on all those recordings. So they hit Color of Spring. They're getting into this recording thing. And so Spirit of Eden happens. And this is their start of their art rock thing. Right, so that was 88. Yeah, and they are not playing any more shows after um, Color of Spring because he just doesn't want to do it. And this is when they're doing studio stuff where you hear all the um, rumors that while they're recording there, it's 
completely pitch black. There is just a strobe light going off time the entire time they're in there um, to make things weirder. But they start creating the most insane music ever. Like everyone wants to recapture how they're recording this stuff and no one can do it. It's well, and, and the thing was is that he was benefiting from because this was in the late 80s, early 90s uh-huh. when you still had big music labels yeah, with, had, with endless budgets. You had big labels and everyone used to, uh, you know, this is why Mark Hollis, everyone uh, respects him because everyone says things like, oh, I'll just do a couple of hits and then I'll get to do whatever I want. And that's what he actually did. Right. And he just, I think they were EMI, right? And they... Uh, Yeah, EMI's Parlophone. Yeah, and they just, when they released, when they gave them Spirit of Eden, they were like, what are you doing to us? Right. (laughs) Like, no one's going to buy this. And no one did. I mean, this was not successful. No, yes. It, It definitely... It definitely did not uh, reach the expectations of the label. The the thing that's interesting, you, you mentioned the fact that they would black out the the studio and they would have the the candles and strobes and have it be very weird and atmospheric. They wanted and, to make it uncomfortable, right? And I remember what I read, uh, you know, just after his passing, reading up on all of this uh, period of his life. That uh, he and uh, Freeze Green, they had all these session players come in and they would play them just like snippets of songs or they would just uh, have them play along with like the drum track or whatever and just have them improvise. And they had like 60 or 70 session musicians come in, but they only used like half of them. Yeah, it was only snippets. And that's what I'm... That's what I'm about to play in this interview. He's about to... So, Spirit of Eden goes on. EMI sues the band (laughs) because of what they delivered. Um, I think they made him do... uh, Which record was Believe in... I Believe in You was on Spirit of Eden, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's there's, the there's last... only there's only six songs on the record. Yeah, and they but they made them do him... uh, they made them do like a single version, a single edit of "I Believe in You." Yeah, and it is intense. And when he sing, it's just him in a room singing the song, and he hates. He he um, mentioned in interviews that it was a huge mistake. He didn't want to do a video. But they made him do it, and he said he thought that he would be able to capture what the song meant, but it is, it's heavy. Right. Yeah. And so Spirit of Eden goes on, the label sues the band, they didn't win, of course, because you can't, artistic integrity in the whole, right. like you can't sue a band because they didn't deliver a hit. <laughs> it's the most insane thing ever. And of course, EMI didn't realize later on that this would be one of the most critically acclaimed records of all time like it is spirit of eden is a huge deal after color for spring and then and so they're obviously they are done with that label and then they get on um something called uh verve 
which was yes it was uh it was polydor's yeah, jazz label yeah and polydor is a that's a big label they were still a big label and they signed for two records and then they do laughing stock and so i'm gonna play a song from laughing stock but before i play it i'm gonna play you the audio from this interview because there's a thing called uh mark hollis speaks and uh, I'm going to send you the full thing at some point because it's really cool because he talks about the songs and then they play it on the interview, but they cut it up to where it's like you can scroll through it. Right. It's not, you don't have to sit through the whole thing. But this is uh, right at the top, and you can kind of uh, peer into the mind of this uh, weird dude. And uh, it's also cool because you know his voice on on songs is like but so it's kind of cool to hear his voice and he um and you can kind of tell how weird he is uh so here's a here's a bit of that interview weirdness every album we've come out and we thought oh yeah this is definitely better than the last because if if we didn't think that you see we we would still be in there making it that's the truth of it. So yeah, I mean, you, you do feel that, but it, it's like with so many things, although you have that, you know, you, you like spent so long of every day working on this thing, you've had your head done in so much with it, that by the time you come out there, it is like, you know, God, well, you, you just feel completely done in. I mean, you know, physically and mentally, you've, you've absolutely had it. You know, that is the end at that point. Then you must just sort of try and clear your head and, and you know, I mean, that may, maybe that was part of the reason that there was such a long gap after Spirit of Eden, you know. It, I reckon it took me, like, pushing a year before I could even come to terms with, with the idea of making another album. And in some ways, you, you know, although there are a lot of people that, that might think, you know, the difference from... Colour of Spring to Spirit of Eden was like a big jump. It, it wasn't. In, in m Mentally, there, there was no big jump at all. It was just like a natural move. The biggest difference, maybe, was just the amount of time we could actually spend making that album. You know, in, in the... We just started working towards this this thing of, of sort of, you know, always one of the most important things about mu music for me is... Uh, you know, sp spontaneity and improvisation, and it, it was just the thing where we were in a position. It, it's just like ta taking this this idea that you know the the first time something is played, it is at its finest, and then the minute you try to recreate that, it becomes an imitation of something that was originally better. So, so all it is, it's just working along along that line, but also saying, well, the, the problem with a lot of improvisation is that it meanders away from the point too much. So the thing that this time afforded us was to sort of go in with, with people that we wanted to play with purely from an, an you know, a, foremost from an aptitude point of view, give them absolute freedom in terms of what they play, but then just so that everything that they, they do play is, is freeform, but then to construct an arrangement by taking little sections of that and, and building it up from there you know but that takes a, a large amount of time because you know maybe you would sort of 10 hours playing back on something you know to get a few seconds 90% of what you play will be rubbish there will only be you know if, if you're improvising if, if you get 10% which is any good I think you're doing really well 
I think you're doing amazingly well. If you get half a percent, I think you're doing really well. So that's that's why I, I think this thing with with the time limit of Spirit of Eden and, and Laughing Stock lengthens out more is is just because of that. With this one, there's there's been a very conscious effort to get away from conventional songwriting things. So if if you sort of look at look at the first track up there, Merman, there there is no part of that track which will ever repeat itself. You know, if if you move into the second track, each each verse that you move through cuts by a bar, it's increasingly getting shorter as the bit that's going on the back is getting longer and the vocals are shifting their position with reference to to the bar. You know, it's it's just to get away from you know, like the, this kind of frustration you get of, of, you know, fitting into moulds. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? It's so great. It, it, he does, he's just operating on a different level. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it, because everything he's saying is completely true. Right. Like everyone thinks about it all the time. Is the, you know, the first time you come up with something and the first time, that's why... I always tell people when you record the demo, don't half-ass it. Right. Because that, there's a lot of things on that version that we might end up using because we're it will never be as good as that. The right. First and, time you play and it. And like Tenacious D says, always hit record. <laughs> always exactly. hit record. Always hit record. But And I love the thing at the beginning that, you know, when he's saying by the end of it, you're so done and like you don't even know what it sounds like anymore. Right. And everybody that's recorded a record by the end of it has no idea if it's any good or not by the end because you've heard the song so many times that this could be absolute trash and you would have no idea because you've done it over and over and over and over and they have done it sitting in a room with a weirdly timed strobe light going, <laughs> you know, but... Him and Tim Friesgreen, and who's a genius on his own, sat there and made this awesome stuff. Well, before you play it, I wanted to read something from uh, the the best thing that I read after his passing. It's from uh, the the Daily Beast, and it was a piece written by a guy named Andrew Carell, and uh, it it just begins with a quote from Mark Hollis where he says, uh, "You should never listen to music as background music." Uh-huh. That, uh, you know, he, his belief was that music should always be active listening and should always challenge the listener. And so this is uh, the beginning of this piece. He says, uh, as the frontman of Talk Talk, Hollis oversaw one of the most radical transformations of a pop act in music history. He refused to craft his music around what labels, execs, and pop charts thought his listeners wanted. He refused to serve as yet another pop persona who happens to make music, and he refused to make music for the sake of selling records. Without Mark Hollis, there would arguably be no Radiohead, no Sigur Ross, no Explosions in the Sky, no post-rock. His music served as the holy grail for music lovers, people who love music not just for the stimuli, but for the craft itself, and how it serves as a portal into the artist's mind and into the worlds they cannot explore on their own. As Hollis himself, a music obsessive, rewarded listeners who are in constant pursuit of answers on how music works. 
So it, it gets that's a, it gets really a little good. gets a little garbly, but but, but it is like perfect. just it's the deconstruction of music. It's the okay that we were whatever at, at that point in 1990. Uh, you know, you're uh, 40 years into rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You know, we we know how to make a pop song. How do we deconstruct a song? How do we turn? what we all know and experience and and uh, are comfortable with and turn it into something totally different yeah and and like i keep saying over and over people like to talk a lot of trash about what they want to do but then they always give in you know what i mean right they always always give in in to the pressure of the the label executive or their girlfriend yeah or whatever the situation even when he quit he never gave he never came back he told he's like i'm gonna choose my family and i'm gonna make music but no one's ever gonna hear it and no one ever did but he did he did very much open the door for people to experiment he made it okay yeah for people to experiment with music yeah he invented a whole new way of um getting albums made it's um you know, and I'm sure during those records, a lot of lives were ruined. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to hear this. I want to hear because, like I said, um, this so, is this laughing stock is is the album that I don't have. All right, this is uh, one that uh, you know Nolan and Tatch and I, you know we we um, we gave them these records and they went. I mean, they ran with these. You know, anybody that was an intern at the studio or anything that kind of helped us out along the way, you know, these guys got into these records like crazy. So we still to this day sit around, you know, after you've had a bit too much and we'll still play these Talk Talk records. Um, But, you know, I also have to pick the ones that aren't nine minutes long. But the good thing about this song is this is still one of the first ones we go to no matter what. And it's... I think it's like five minutes long still, five or six, but still. It's okay. That's not super long. No. And uh, But what I want you to, you know, you mentioned the guitar on the other one. Listen to when this electric guitar comes in in this song called Ascension Day. It goes like this. I did
Yeah, that's how they shut the, it down. They just cut it off. They just press stop on the tape. Yeah, it's done. They kind of made their point, and it's done. Man. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you can hear the the radio head in that. Yeah, they're like, trying to do that on so many things, and they did awesome things with it because they were influenced by it, but they didn't hit that. No. Well, you can tell, like, it, it, a, a radio head song that, that would mimic that would be much more, uh, I don't know, much more regimented and much more structured. Whereas that is so freeform and so, uh, you know, the the drums are so kind of herky-jerky. Yeah, and it's after that 80s indulgence to where you can cut, they actually made money. You know, you could, uh, they felt like they can do whatever they wanted. And this is after they got off of another label and they still this was the first record off for the new label <laughs> and no one's buying this you know what i mean this isn't going to be on top of the pops there's it will never be and he just didn't care it's pretty cool you gotta hand it to him he uh he he stuck to his guns yes he uh lived his best life <laughs> and lived his life his way <laughs> he, he was the first to live his best life. <laughs> yes, he knew how to live his best life before anyone else did. Yeah, you know, and then he decided in 1998, that was it, after his solo record, wasn't going to do anything else. His wife was a school teacher, and he just hung around and was a dad guy, and that was it. Which is, why not? Well, as far as the legacy of Laughingstock, uh, Pitchfork named it the 11th best album of the 90s, and uh, Stylus Magazine named it the greatest post-rock album of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, a lot of the things you see as Spirit of Eden is like the big... But I think I like Laughingstock even better. But... Both have their jams, and we will play things later on tonight. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. This yeah. After Dark is going to be so much fun. And uh, if you want to listen to it, um, go to oldwaver.com and click the premium tab and sign up to be a patron. And then you can listen to all of the hot jams and super drunk conversation that we're going to have later. Yeah, well, what's going on, you know? I think that our talk talk thing is done until uh, till we finish out the show with our, you know, with the self titled jam. Right. Uh, what uh, what's going on with you? Is there is there any new stuff in Dave's world? No. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to uh, tell us about your deep blue in the UK before no, we I think we before it. we press play? No on, one cares about that on the talk talk. I'll have more stories after for the June pod. After we come back from Europe. Oh, is that in... Are you going to May or June? The last week of May. Okay. Dude, that's hot. And then we uh, haul back through. We have... Can I come? We have Am a, I allowed to come? Of course you can. And we have a travel day. And then guess what we're doing right when we get land? Oh, uh, like wildflower or something? <laughs> Taste of Addison. Taste of Addison! Yeah. Taste of Addison! Yeah. Because that's what you do, right? Yeah, you got to eat it all up. 
taste it all, bros. You gotta taste it all, and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna play Europe and then roll back through and hit Taste of Addison like at one or two in the afternoon. Well, thank you to uh, OHB's Chump Change and Carbox. Big and bright IPA. Big and bright. It was so bright. For uh, getting us completely hammered. And uh, let's 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 close it out. Let's close it out with some talk talk. Are you ready? Uh, let's yes. go early days, which I love. Yes, we're going the uh, all the way back to the beginning. I'm never one of those guys that are like, I, I just don't like the early. No, this is great. Are you ready? Yes, let's do it. Let's see where you punch in. Let me turn this down. Let's see what happens. Um, mm. you ready? Yeah. Two, three. Oh, there's their toms. Did you hear the toms? Yes. Thank you for listening to HTML March 2019, episode number 21. For Toby, I'm Dave. Please, again, tell a friend, leave a review, become a patron. Help HTML grow and expand and take over the world. Let everyone know about the great music that exists, like that of Mark Hollis and Talk Talk. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Please don't tell my mom that I do drugs. <laughs> all right, T.